Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Brendan Escott and Cody Jansen helping us out today back at the 630 Chad Studios. We bring aboard Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner from the Oilers Radio Network. Jack, how are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you, sir? Good, sir. Wow, that's quite uh, official. I'm doing all right. You're driving, I see. Are you going golfing later? Are you golfing yeah. later today? I don't know whether the uh, I don't know whether the heavy stuff's going to come down for a while. I'm driving in a part of Edmonton where it's pouring right now. Well, where's that? It's like southeast. Uh, no, I'm right downtown. Coming up 95th. Okay, and it's coming down pretty hard, eh? It, it's coming down pretty hard. Good to know. All right, yeah. uh, we we just had Jonathan Willis on the show. Yeah. And he yeah. Po- yeah. he did. He did a piece, I know you saw it on The Athletic, sort of a yes, comparative sir. to where Connor McDavid is at right now in comparison to some of the other uh, great players. And he went into quite a bit of detail all time-wise. So give me your thoughts on where McDavid kind of rates in terms of where he's at through his first five years. Well, it's funny, you know, I was I was kind of reading it in terms of, you know, the first team all-star selections and and of course uh, the concession that he was probably going to be a second team all-star this year and having said that he was probably the first team all-star at center through you know what about mid-december and then the the change was made to put leon at center full-time i mean you know in other words even in a year where technically he would be second team all nhl he not only you not only could make an argument for him to be first team all NHL at center and Leon still at the wing, or at the very least you'd say, well, he's second team all NHL, but he also paved the way for the first team all NHL center to be the MVP. So, I mean, he's, he's just had a, an incredible start to his career. I don't think anyone has him outside of, you know, Crosby and Ovechkin in terms of what he's done the first five years. And even, you know, the one knock on McDavid in terms of his playoff appearances, you know, people forget that in the 1980 and 81 NHL seasons, were it today's NHL, those Oiler clubs wouldn't have made the postseason either. And they had, you know, more than just Wayne Gretzky going for them. So, you know, hockey is a team sport. Ultimately, you know, that's where McDavid is going to fall a bit shy of guys like Crosby and Ovechkin. But this year, with some people around him, 
He had Edmonton in the top eight all season. So you don't think it's possible, Jack, that you might see McDavid as uh, first team at center and they'll move Drysaddle to left wing and a guy like well, Pasternak on the right side? That's what I was saying. You could. You okay. Could very, you might see the voting. Now, Jonathan had it. He was kind of conceding that this year, because Leon Drysaddle was basically... You know, everyone's conceding the point that he's a prohibitive favorite to be the league's most valuable player. So he he was kind of conceding, if you read the piece, that, you know, McDavid would be second-team All-NHL and center. I would make the argument that you could you could say that McDavid played enough games at center and dry saddle at wing that you could still put, you know, those two as, as first-team All-NHL supporters. If you don't do that... Then you put McDavid at second team All NHL with a giant asterisk that says one of the key guys to make sure that Leon Draisaitl won the MVP. I mean, uh, I, I don't think there's any question about that. And I'm not taking anything away from what Leon Draisaitl has done. He's had a phenomenal year and deserves the accolades that are going to come his way. And and quite frankly, I, I think the last couple of years, in light of the fact. Then Edmonton did not make the playoffs. People were a little slower uh, to recognize Drysaddle as a top-five player in the league. But thankfully this season with Edmonton's success, there's no mistaking the fact that number 29 is right there, very conservatively speaking, in the top five. All right, Jack. Uh, Jonathan also hit on Eric Lindros a bit. And look, you grew up in western Pennsylvania. You would have seen a lot of... Mario Lemieux and Yarmer Yeager in their prime. Is Eric Lindros sort of a forgotten guy when you factor in era-adjusted scoring because he played in a bit of the dead puck era? Absolutely. And, and Bob, as you know, and, and I've kind of, we've chatted a little bit in terms of Jordan and LeBron. You know, there's a there's a bit of a recency bias and there's a bit of a there's a bit of a tendency in today's day and age, and I get it. it. It is actual data, and, you know, the numbers don't lie. But I would also say, you know what, the tape don't lie either. And you watch tape from that era and tell me that Eric Lindros was not the first or second best player in the NHL from 1993 until about 1998. And, Bob, you can – I mean, there's probably six months on either side of that – that yep. I'd be willing to concede. But if you're telling me that you don't find him to be one of the two or maybe three best players in the league for each one of those years, I'm telling you, in my humble opinion, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I I'm lived with... it. I yep. saw it. And I, I'm just not going to concede that any numbers-based argument is going to trump what I saw with my own eyes. If that makes me anachronistic or, you know, somewhat of an old-school guy who's who's not looking at, at every possible number he could, well, then guilty as charged. It's the same argument I have. Look, I lived through Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I lived through both of them. I saw each of them play. It ain't close. Uh, we'll get to that in a second because I want to talk to you a bit about last dance. That's, I guess that's what's really interesting about the air-adjusted scoring is that actually works favorably in Lindros's uh, way, you know. And I just, yeah, I want, I want, I just wonder at times whether or not 
given how hard it is to win. This, like, Philly never had a number. Like, they never had one of the five best goaltenders in the world on their team when Eric Lindros was in Philadelphia. And, yeah, you know, the, it's funny. I mean, right? Bob, the interesting thing is the 97 version of Hextall would have been on the bench behind the 87 version for all, all day. Games. All, all day. day. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? All right, I got I now I've watched the first six episodes. I don't. I'm going to assume you've you've seen just the first six episodes of Last Dance. I, I got it. There there is one sort of. I, I it's a bit of a nagging uh, sort of negative that's come from this. Look, Jerry Krause. Think of what think of him what you might, but is it fair to portray a guy? when he's not here to defend himself? Well, here's what I would say about that, Bob. I think Jerry Krause, there was a clip of him uh, pontificating after they won the 92 championship in, right. in episode six, I believe it was. And that's where he basically was was touting the organization. Right. In today's social media world, how do you think that plays if an NHL owner does that kind of thing? It, it just, for me, it's the equivalent of, of what you rightfully point out as a flawed circumstance of the NFL's post-Super Bowl celebration, the handing of the trophy to the owner. Despise it. I, yeah, and, and what I believed and felt and lived during that time was that was that Jerry Krause was strangely trying to hone in on you know achievements that you know quite frankly you know he he played a part in but if he had any sense of skill and and quite frankly I blame the you know the PR team but I I feel he completely mishandled that situation going back a long ways. Know your role. And Jerry Krause did not know his role. And, Bob, yes, it's unfortunate he died. I mean, he, he wasn't exactly nipped in the butt, I believe. He lived until the age of 77. But, you know, Steve Kerr makes the comment, and I, I believe that uh, he's right. In this documentary, he's portrayed negatively. But you know what? He couldn't get out of his own way. He, he has created a lot of this. Uh, through his actions he did then and I think his legacy unfortunately is one that you know is probably the last guy you'll ever see uh, that's not a coach or a player to single-handedly bust up a dynasty for no other reason than the glorification of his own ego right like I mean in Edmonton's case with Peter Pocklington it was financial uh, you know, we've had this discussion. How many how many cups would the Oilers have won if they could have kept the six Hall of Famers together? And I think right. we both think they could have won eight or nine total. Uh, and, I, I, I genuine, I, and I genuinely believe, Bob, as I think you do, that Peter Pocklington, had he had the resources, I don't necessarily think he would have busted up that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree I'm, with that. I'm, I've never heard of him being described as penurious. I've, I've, you know, he made some, you know, he had some bad judgment. But I believe that from what I've heard, and I, I could be wrong here, and please correct me if I am, 
But I've heard for the most part he was the kind of guy that, you know, if he had $10, he'd give it to you. No, no, he was like he was not an inherently cheap man. He just had some investments that went the wrong way. The whole right. gainer, the gainers dispute turned a lot of people against him in the city. And eventually he had to start selling off the Oilers players' as assets, which he did, which is why he got the dollar figures he got specifically in the Gretzky and Messier trades. Just, just so the listeners are aware, Jerry Krause was the general manager of the Chicago Bulls, and one of his statements was But he players, was not the general manager who drafted Michael Jordan, which is an important point. Right. He was not the GM who drafted Jordan. Uh, one, of his, one of his comments, and we're paraphrasing here, is was it players don't win championships, organizations win championships? Yeah. Paraphrasing. And I feel that's an inflammatory statement. There's nothing good that comes of making that statement. I guess my point in this is it's it's visceral. And, and part of the thing I really like about Last Dance is how guttural it is and how yeah. they use the language that retired players, heck, Jack, they use the language that real players use, just not guys that are getting it. Like, we are getting a firsthand experience into what you, you could see what drives Michael Jordan. But there's been a couple times I'm like, you know, it would have maybe been a little bit better if they could have. Because I wonder if Krauss would have looked at it differently later in life and said to himself, you know, maybe, you know, hubris is a wonderful thing. And you know you you get a, a different a different sense of thing over time and appreciation, but that's I mean the the, the whole Jack the whole documentary is I think this is as good a documentary as we've ever seen in sport myself. Well, I think it's on par. I think it's on par with the one we saw them do on O.J. Simpson, uh, which if you haven't seen O.J. Made in America, is also on Netflix and a spectacular ten part documentary that I think you'd really enjoy. Bob, just a couple of other observations that I think you might want to share with the listeners, and that would be, you say guttural, and it's a perfect word, because you also get the sense that we have entered a new era in athletics. I do not hear the vitriol from Crosby about Ovechkin and the other way. I mean, what I enjoy about it is you can tell that 30 years later, Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas are not going to break bread anytime soon. And that Isaiah Thomas's, you know, remember how he kind of just poo-pooed the way, look, if I had known that I had to shake hands the way today's players do and say, great job, great blah, 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 that's not the way it was done back then. And he's got video to prove it. It's a different era in sports and one that I don't necessarily, you know, wish was gone. I, I don't mind a rivalry. That's what I think got me excited about the Battle of Alberta this year. I don't mind that the teams don't like each other. I miss that to some extent. Well, Jack, I'll take it one step further. We're coming, you know, we're dealing with something that nobody saw coming. Well, maybe some people thought we might have, you know, a scenario down the road with pandemic. But I think we're we're going to have a kinder, gentler sports world coming out of this too, because I think people are going to think they're just fortuitous when we get back up and playing. I think there's going to be a lot of athletes just happy that they get to get back to their regular life again. I'm not convinced we'll have that same level of angst that even we saw this past season between Edmonton and Calgary. I'm serious. Very about good that. point, Bob, and I'm not sure the game play will allow for it. I mean, I don't know, for instance, 
you know, are they going to allow scrums after whistles? Say the NHL comes back and there's playoffs. Face-washing guys. Like, is that allowed anymore? And 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 even just barking and wolf, I honestly believe that when that whistle goes, it's going to be scattershot. And I and I believe you know if we if we get back to this thing, you know there's there's a you know a full face shield possibility. There's the possibility that at the whistle, I mean that's it. That's the end of contact. There's 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 not going to be some of that. So I think that goes right along with your point, Bob. I don't know when our you know, when our previous normal, and I put that in quotation marks, I don't know when that's coming back. And I certainly don't see it coming back anytime soon, even after the National Hockey League inevitably resumes, whether it's this season or next season, Bob. Uh, the new normal is going to look a lot different, and I think that goes right along with what you're saying. Jack, we'll talk next week. Thanks for your time. Safe travels. You know, we didn't even argue much that, that segment. What's wrong with us? Are uh, we too kind and gentle? Tough it up. We're going to be singing Kumbaya shortly. <laughs> See you later, Jack. Take care, pal. You bet. 149 in Edmonton. That's Oilers play-by-play voice. Jack Michaels will take a timeout, get to this day in Oilers history, and wrap up the show when we come back in Oilers now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 151 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Quickly into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Bob, we know this. Brad Marchant won't be able to lick anybody for sure uh, when we come back. That's probably a pretty good chance. Bob, uh, Phil from Grand Prairie says, Bob, for me, the reason why Eric Lindros gets no respect is because of his refusal to go to Quebec. It was a total blank move. From that point on, for me, he was persona non grata. Never was, never will be a fan of his. Well, the Lindros camp will tell you that they couldn't t- trust Marcel Obu, who ultimately sold the Nordiques to uh, Colorado. And, uh, well, just... Go type up Marcelo Boo. That's all I'm going to say to you. Uh, again, you can uh, text us at 780-496-0063 at any time. This comes in uh, from Bob. He says, Bob, that was a great interview with Coach Lauer. He's a great guy and a perfect fit from the organization. That one comes to us from Bob. Well, uh, the numbers speak for themselves. He's he's doing pretty good. A lot of response, Elliot Friedman, today. Um uh, Elliot had some interesting concepts that he put out there today in Oilers Now, if we were able to uh, get started, including uh, giving Vegas a one- or two-goal start uh, on Edmonton because they're a couple points ahead of them in a two-game series. This comes in saying, giving some team a one- or two-goal lead to start the game is a joke. That's my take. Feed the first overall team a steak for pregame meal and a lesser team uh, some bologna. That's better. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Tim says, Bob, I love Elliot generally, but this playoff idea sounds like something my ridiculous brother Daryl would come up with while doing the chicken dance. I don't think you really want to be seen doing the chicken dance as a rule of thumb. Anything that appears in the Lawrence Welk show, you want to avoid. All right. To this day in Oilers history. Did I did I screw up today? I, I might have. On this date in 1990, what happened? I thought you had this right. 
Mark Messier pots two goals and two assists as the Oilers beat the Blackhawks 4-2 at Chicago Stadium, and that tied the Campbell Conference Final at two games apiece. So Sunday afternoon, I was in Wells, B.C. How's that for you, Brendan? I think you spent many a Sunday afternoon in Wells, B.C. around that era. Well, in 1990 I did, because that's <laughs> where we were the majority of the time. That was a very uh, prosperous uh, season working up north back in the day. Now, can I ask you something here? Is that Wells Gray Park, is that where you guys were? Or is there actually yeah, a, a small Barker, town called Wells? Yeah, yeah Wells, uh, Barkerville and Wells. It's about an hour straight east uh, off of Highway 97 of where Quinnell is. Uh, Quinnell has um, the Gassoff brothers. Uh, Bob Gassoff passed away in a motorcycle accident on Gary Unger's ranch back in the mid-'70s, pound for pound, sort of 73, 74, 74, 75, one of the toughest men in the NHL. Not big. Like Larry Robinson was huge. He was six foot four. He was 220 pounds. He beat the living snot out of Dave Schultz. It was awesome. Uh, he beat up Ted Irvine of the New York Rangers in the 74 playoffs. Do you know who Ted Irvine's son is, Brendan? Chris Jericho, baby. There you go. <laughs> nice work. Uh, yeah, uh, but but Bob Gassoff could really chuck him. And uh, the Gassoff, the remaining Gassoffs ended up playing in Quinnell and Barkerville. And Wells and Barkerville are basically a, a straight east hour from there. So there you go. Let's do this. Uh, just as we head off uh, for the weekend, I do want to mention Brent Ridge Ford. Out of Wetaskiwin, where cars cost less, focused on your health and peace of mind right now. They're offering special discounts to those battling the COVID-19 pandemic on the front lines, including Canadian Forces personnel, first responders, professional health care workers, pharmacists, and pharmacy techs. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Forward is built to lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Coming up. At uh, Reed Wilkins, we'll have Inside Sports Night from 7 to 8. I know I'm joining him because he was stuck and couldn't get anybody else better. What else has he got going on? And you'll also hear from uh, a member of the CFL Players Association, uh, Ryan King, Eskimos long snapper. There you go. That's after the global news tonight from 6 to 7. we got a loaded show. Glenn Galtzen will join us on Monday's edition of Oilers Now, along with John Shannon and the aforementioned Reed Wilkins. Brendan, have a good couple days off. Hope you enjoy it. Absolutely appreciate it, Bob. Yeah, up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chen Afternoons with Jay Lynn Nye. So long, everybody. Have a great weekend. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chen.